bet the game. Sounds crazy, Frank. <laughs> Maybe just crazy enough to work. Sports betting with an Oregon lean. Powered by Sports Radio 750, The Game, Portland's most listened to sports station. You probably won't say it again. I bet I do. Okay. Chris. Now, here are your hosts, Judah Newby and Zach Schlegel. Thanksgiving, everybody, on a rivalry week, a Civil War edition of Bet the Game, powered by 750 The Game. He is Zach Schlegel. I'm Judah Newby. Thankful for you this week, Zach, but oh. not next week. Just oh, this week. Oh, just this week. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to uh, approach everyone and say, hey, we're rivals this week. It's rivalry mm. week, but I don't really have any rivals, man. I mean, yeah. I try to be amicable with everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, this week, as far as college football is concerned, there is nothing better than a good rivalry. And we got one in this state of Oregon with the Civil War between the Oregon Ducks and Oregon State Beavers. Great one up north in the Apple Cup as well. A fantastic uh, Iron Bowl matchup set for this weekend. There's rivalries all over the place. This is one of the most exciting weekends in sports, let alone college football. Oh, I love this week, Judah. You got great food. You got family. You got football. Tomorrow, we're going to have three NFL games going on. We'll we'll discuss those a little bit here at some <laughs> point. Um, but like you said, we got a great Civil War matchup this weekend. And I don't know, my first thoughts looking at that line, Judah, I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of points. But again, Oregon coming off that loss against ASU, you know, we won't sit here and dwell too much on that one. It's over. It's done. You know, Oregon's out of the college football playoff. It's okay. It's still been a great season in hindsight when you really look at the whole picture. Oregon, I mean, if you, if I were to tell you, Judah, that Oregon would have locked up the Pac-12 North at this point, I mean, they locked it up last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, um, and they would have had only two losses at this point, still a chance to win the conference, still a chance to go to the Rose Bowl again and right. play a very quality opponent. I mean, you probably would have been like, yeah, that's a great season. And so, you know, we can't look back and be all disappointed. Yeah, of course, the goal is get to the college football playoff. But you know what? Maybe Oregon just wasn't quite there yet. I know that Mario Cristobal uh, will have this team back again next year. His recruiting is phenomenal. You said it, Judah. I just think the floor for this Oregon team under Cristobal is very high compared right. to most coaches. I feel that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that under Cristobal's tenure, I don't see Oregon ever being worse than a five-loss team in a season just yeah. because he is so um, – he's relentless. He's vigilant, I should say, day in, day out. Mm-hmm. He won't you know, slack in, in recruiting. He won't slack in the attention to detail in practice. But the ceiling of the team, I, they're going to need a lot of talent in order to break through a glass ceiling of making it to the college football playoff once again and competing for a national title. Yeah. Certainly doable. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, this is it's going to rely on toughness and consistency and uh, some dynamic playmaking um, every single game, mm-hmm. something they didn't have Saturday at ASU. But, to your credit, you said, hey, we were worried. I'd probably lean ASU to cover. Well, not only did they do that, <laughs> but they had a 24-7 lead midway through the fourth quarter, and... Even though it looked like Oregon was going to come back and win that game, 
They did not. Third and 16. Oh, man. <laughs> Being uh, Biting on a double move. That's tough. That's a tough way to go down. But here we go. Civil War. Let's just start here. Oregon and Oregon State. The 123rd meeting of the two in-state rivals. It's going to kick at 1 o'clock on the Pac-12 network. The Oregon Ducks lead this rivalry series 65-47 to with 10 ties. <laughs> and in Eugene, it's 30-23-3. to Still, Oregon has the seven-game edge over the Beavers in games played in Eugene. The line's big, though, Zach. It opened at 20 and a half. There was some immediate money coming in on the Beavers that pushed it down, I think, as low as about 17 and a half at one point early in the week. And since then, people starting to lay the home favorite Ducks again. We're looking at this line at 19 or 19 and a half in some places, a total at about 66. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like with all the talent Oregon State has offensively, coming off a game in which they put up 54 points on the road, one win from bowl eligibility for them, that's a lot of points if you want to lay it for the Ducks. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand? Oh, man, that's yeah, it's a lot of motivation for Oregon State, especially at this point. They've played above expectations all season long. Jonathan Smith, I mean, Oregon State, Beaver fans, you're in good hands right now. Um, This guy has really turned the program around. I'm excited to see what they're going to do in the coming years, but... Yeah, this this matchup here, Judah, it could go one or two ways here. The way I see it, Oregon, you mentioned the money came in early on Oregon State, brought that line down to 17 and a half, which is totally understandable. I mean, I, I saw that. I was like, yeah, I mean, 20, 21. I mean, that's way too many points there. But then you got to look at the other side, too. And, you know, Oregon lost Jake Hansen at halftime in the last game. He's going to be back. I, I, I Right. He's going to be back. Yeah, he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also didn't have Jalen Red. Jalen Red will play in the Civil War. That's big. We still won't have Micah Pittman, but that's okay. So, you know, I think getting Red back because he's the the leader in touchdowns for the Oregon offense this year. I mean, that's huge. Both of these teams we know can put up points. Oregon State, I mean, wow, they've really put up points. I mean, I think aside from just one game in the last four or five games, they'd be averaging like 50 a game. It's unbelievable. But the one thing that Oregon State doesn't quite have that Oregon – is a little bit stronger on is their defense. Uh, Oregon State has been allowing a ton of points, and you know we've been seeing it. They've been putting up the points, but they've been allowing points. And that's something that this program in the future, if they can get that down, if they can really improve that defense and you know keep the firepower going on offense, this program is going places right now. I think what's interesting is this matchup between Jake Luton and Justin Herbert. I mean, after Herbert's performance last weekend, you know, we're having talks about who's the better quarterback. And and I don't know if this is, I don't know if we need to go that far, but Jake Luton has been impressive. What, he's only had like two interceptions all season long. So, you know, I think if Luton can continue to protect the ball like he's been doing all year, just play a very smart football game, Don't, don't force anything, right? Uh, lean on your running backs. You got a couple great backs there. Offensive line, obviously, you got to give the edge to Oregon there. But I think Luton, first glance, I think Luton can do enough to keep this Beavers team in the game. But like I said, it'll go one or two ways. Either Oregon is very inspired after that that upset loss. They want to come out here and kick some butt. Uh, go to the Pac-12 game. They still got their eyes set on a conference championship in a Rose Bowl. Or I can also see it being just like that 2013 Civil War where Josh Huff scored that final touchdown at the end of the game, and the two teams were pretty evenly matched. And by the way, I think that 
that was my favorite game I ever saw at Odson Stadium as a student. Were you there for that one? I was there on the sidelines. I don't wonder what the betting line was for that, but yeah. had it had to have been around 17-18. It probably was, yeah. I mean, that was a good Oregon team. They still, you know, obviously had Marcus Mariota, and it was not even his final year there. So... That yeah, was the last time Oregon State went to a bowl as ex- well. Exactly. You know? Right, right. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that, yeah, just right there. I mean, I think this game, I think most likely this game ends up being closer than the 19 spread. I would have to lean Oregon State on this spread because I just think that's a little bit disrespectful uh, looking at how well Oregon State has played so far this year. But again, Coming off a loss, you never know what the Oregon Ducks have up their sleeve. I think to your point, the Jalen Red factor just kind of highlights an area for Oregon against that Oregon State defense. Oregon State has really improved in red zone defense this year. In fact, mm-hmm. no Pac-12 defense has improved from year to year than the Beavers in that category. Oh, right, They're yeah. like third, I think, in the Pac-12 in red zone scoring against uh, and have allowed 30 red zone touchdowns. But... It's the gap plays, it's the explosive plays that can happen at any point to the Beavers, right? At any time, Mm -hmm. any offense can have an explosive play against that Oregon State defense, whether it's a blown assignment or they can't tackle. And that's the thing. Oregon, at any time, can have a 50-yard score or a 60-yard score, especially, I think, with Jalen Red. He can break a jailbreak screen like that and go 45 yards to the house, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it's a six-point game turns 13, and... You never know, you know, what can happen from there. So I think the betting line almost reflects the explosive play element and the yeah. explosive play potential in yep. the matchups on the field. But to your point, if the Beavers can limit those explosive plays, they certainly have the offensive firepower to keep this within 19. I mean, with Luton, Hodgins on the outside. They oh, get yeah. Travon Bradford back for this game. Tongiai at tight end. Uh, Quatoriano or whatever you say his name is, mm-hmm. a, another tight end that's really good. Had a great touchdown against Washington State, let alone the backfield talent with Pearson Jefferson. Mm. I mean, and a solid pl- offensive line. You know, we just saw Jaden Daniels go for 408. Jake Luton has has a chance to do, I don't, I don't know about 408, but if he takes care of the football, Daniels didn't throw a pick. That was a huge reason why ASU pulled the upset. Luton's only thrown, you know, three picks all year, to your point. I mean, this is his last game, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> this is his last game, unless he can pull off the upset and take him to a bowl. But yeah. Jake Luton might be the most important player in this football game. Yeah, I mean, it's Luton's last game. It's Herbert's last game at home. I mean, it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. I'm I'm sad I'm not going to be there, Judah, because, I mean, this is going to be a great football game to watch. Regardless of the score, we got a lot of talent out there, and a lot of people are saying, and I believe it, I think, I don't know if I believe it, actually, now that I think about it. Do you think, Judah, do you think Oregon State has better skill players on On offense? Comparing the two offensive sides of the ball? That's a great question. I mean, I would say Isaiah Hodgins is the best player. Mm -hmm. Um, Overall, right. Better than Juwan Johnson. Yeah. I I would say that uh, for sure. Um, And and I think Johnson has a more impressive physique and frame. Mm. But Hodgins is better skilled. I mean, yeah. way better skilled. I think he's proven that. Much better body of work. Yeah, yeah. And much more consistent body work, for sure. Um, at running back, yeah, I would say I would say Jefferson, for his age and potential, mm-hmm. is is better than uh, Verdell and Dye. Yeah. I, I, I do think that. The maturity, um, right. Yeah, and I think Oregon's offensive line makes is the difference in the two run games. You Definitely. Know, Travis Dye, I think, is underrated, to be mm-hmm. honest. I, I know he's had his moments of mm-hmm. uh, being like, what are you doing? But he, he's shifty for his for his size. I think he's pretty good. But 
Um, you know, and everywhere else, yeah, skilled players. Golly, man, I I, know. I don't know if you throw if you. I think Jalen Red and Pittman are better than the secondary receiving options. Right. A, a healthy Pittman than right. than Champ Flemings or uh, Trevon Bradford. Right, but you know, between Jefferson Pierce Hodgins, you put that up against Johnson, Diverdell. Yeah. You know, if Breland was healthy, that would be a difference maker as well. But, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think Oregon State might have better skilled position players there. Right. That, that's the interesting thing. <laughs> so, tough. yeah, you could say Oregon State, maybe, you know, better receiver right there, better running backs. Uh, Oregon, Oregon, better offensive line, you know, better quarterback, right? Defensively, Oregon, the better defense, right? So, yeah, you got to lean Oregon overall in terms of, like, the entire team. And, and the, playing at home. And playing yeah. at home, the atmosphere, last game at Odson for Herbert. And, and, again, the story with Herbert is just incredible. You know, just a hometown guy. He's from Eugene. It's been his dream to be a Duck his entire life. Uh, he wants nothing more than to finish his career at Odson Stadium with a win and to make a statement and to put his team in a position to go to another Rose Bowl, which is a fantastic season. So, the 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 lean for you with nineteen would still be the beeves. I still I still I still think I'm gonna lean the beeves plus nineteen and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon comes out and wins by like something like forty five to twenty one. But I think given how well Oregon State has played this far, how well their offense is clicking right now, the fact that they have the best offensive player on the field, I, I'd have to lean Oregon State in the points here. There it is. All right, the Apple Cup has got a, an interesting uh, matchup between Washington and Washington State for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, this game doesn't have any Pac-12 North implications. Uh, the Cougars at the beginning of the year looked pretty impressive, but in the middle part of this season looked equally unimpressive. Meanwhile, I don't know what's been going on with Washington, especially offensively. They look terrible, and to lose to Colorado last week, oh man, that's low. Thirteen or fourteen points. That is, uh, they've got some soul searching to do. But right now, Washington at home, the line opened Huskies minus eight. It's now down to seven and a half, and the total resting at sixty-three and a half for the Huskies against the Cougars. Man, I mean, look at Washington's schedule over their last five games. They went into Arizona. Put up 51, blew them out. Then they had those two really tough games at home against Oregon and Utah. Number 12, Oregon at the time. Number 9, Utah. Uh, lost both those games. Close, close games. And you, you could say that they had those games in hand at one point or time. Uh, they were winning against Utah. They had. I mean, we were definitely worried here in the station, Judah, watching that Oregon-Washington game. And, you know, Oregon thankfully pulled that one out. And, I mean, geez, I would have been way more disappointed if Oregon lost that one compared to this ASU one. That one would hurt way sure. worse. Uh, and then the last two games, right? They go on the road at Oregon State. Very low-scoring game, 19-7. to I mean, credit the Beavers' defense in that one. I mean, right. for really just holding Washington to 19 points. And they have explosive playmakers. But then they go on the road to Colorado. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I almost forgot that game even happened. 20-14. to What's going on right there? Yeah. But this is, I mean... We'll see. I guess we'll see, right? I mean, Washington at home here, they got to finish the season off on a high note. You, you would think that uh, Peterson will have his group ready to go. Jacob Eason really hasn't, I mean, lived up to expectations. I mean, some people thought this guy was going to be in the Heisman race. I mean, he was once at Georgia. He was an SEC quarterback. Comes to the West Coast here in Washington. They think he's going to just 
you know, elevate this team to a championship and, you know, maybe even a college football playoff berth, something like that. And they weren't even close. They're barely getting to a bowl game this year. I, I just think in this type of matchup, it's a rivalry. Both these teams have the same record. I think they're both kind of equally talented this year. And Washington, neither defense has been all that great. I guess you could probably lean on Washington with, you know, just overall better skill on defense. But early in the season, they were not doing it. Uh, eight points. I think that's a lot of points in a rivalry game here. I'm going to have to look at taking Washington State plus the eight if I'm going to do anything with this one. What about you, Judah? Yeah, I mean, it ultimately comes down to how many points can Washington State score against Washington's defense, which mm-hmm. seems to be the question every year in the Apple Cup. I mean, mm-hmm. we remember last year how hyped everyone was for Wazoo, and then it snowed <laughs> in Pullman like crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And that did not do the Cougars any favors, and they lost, again, I think the fifth year in a row that they lost the Apple Cup with something important on the line. Yep. And that was with, you know, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, here comes Anthony Gordon. They're going on the road. I think weather will have a role. Uh, hopefully, it, I, you know, I'm kind of pulling for Wazoo <laughs> yeah, to keep this game close yeah. and, and to, uh, to uh, you know, be able to score against uh, UW. But look for UW. Their defense continues to be consistently excellent. Their offense has consistently underwhelmed in the last few weeks of the season. So ultimately, the question for me, if the line right now is, if the total's at 63.5 and, and the line's at about 7.5 for UW, what do you think the Wazoo team total is? Like, it would have to be about... I mean, let's see here. It would have to be about 27.5. Yeah, yeah, 27.5-ish. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's a good number to put, and I think that's the conversation. Like, over under 27.5 does Wazoo score against UW yeah. on the road. I mean, they. Cl- I'll tell you this much. If they want to cover, it's got to be over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So with all that said, this matchup, where do you lean, man? I mean, do the Cougs have what it takes to cover plus eight on the road? Yeah, I, I think they do. I, I think I have to lean the points just because it's rivalry week. And that, by the way, that's a really hard Not, thing well, to say. Well, <laughs> you got through it. Rivalry <laughs> week. Try to say that three times fast, people. Try to do it in your car right now. Rivalry week. Rivalry week. <laughs> AKA baby talk week. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the Cougs, I got to I got to take the points with them because this is just, it's just that type of matchup. I think it comes down to a one possession game. All right, another huge game with some Pac-12 implications in the SEC, in the SEC West. The Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. Fifth-ranked Alabama, 15th-ranked Auburn, and you got the Crimson Tide laying three and a half on the road against their rivals. Zach, we know Auburn, great defense. It's kept them in a lot of games. It's won them a lot of games this year. They've beaten the Ducks back in week one. Bo Nix has had an up-and-down season. They nearly had a comeback against Georgia. Um, they've been up and down, but here they have a chance as a home dog catching some points against Mac Jones and the Alabama Crimson Tide that put up a ton of points in their game against uh, Western Carolina, I think it was. Yeah, Western a, Carolina. A, a yeah. week ago. I don't even know. <laughs> something like that. Western Charleston yeah. Wofford Citadel mm-hmm. uh, game. But, one of those high school teams. Yeah, one of the high school teams. But uh how do you kind of see this one between Mac Jones going on the road for the Iron Bowl against Auburn? Well, I, I wonder how much of a difference Mac Jones has made on this spread. You know, if if it was Tua playing, you know, I, I just kind of I want to think about how what would that number be if it was Tua playing the game, and I'd probably imagine that number would be closer to double digits. Ooh. I think. Uh, 
Seven and a half or eight at the very least. Yeah, so yeah, eight, at maybe? least a touchdown. At yeah. least a touchdown. So I mean, we're probably, yeah, we're probably. It's probably a three or four point difference here with Mac Jones. Now, Mac Jones, I mean, he's averaging like fifteen yards per pass. He can definitely sling the rock. And to his uh, to his favor, he's got some of the best wide receivers in the country. I mean, look yeah. at the Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs, the third, and Jalen Waddle and. Jalen Waddle, I mean, that guy is fast. He's on the punt return team. I mean, he can take one back at any moment in the game. Now, the big uh, the big matchup here for me is going to be that Auburn defensive line going up against Alabama. And Ken, It always is, right? It's always yeah. that D-line of Auburn against mm-hmm. the O-line, but Bama has a great O-line every year. Exactly. They always do. And, and can Derek Brown and company get in the backfield and make things difficult for Mac Jones? And you know, I don't need Mac Jones. He's not as mobile as Tua. Tua is not the most mobile guy, but at least he can run the ball. I'm not really sure if Mac Jones can or cannot. But I think that plays into Auburn's favor here uh, with that defensive line being so good. Now, Auburn's defense, I think, I believe they've only intercepted the ball seven times this year when you compare it to a team like our Ducks, who've had, you know, about 17, 18. I forgot if they had a pick in the last. No, they didn't. Oh. So 17. So it's, it's been stuck at 17 for a while, unfortunately. Um, but I think that's the biggest matchup in this game. The other part, too, is Bo Nix. You know, he's been very rocky up and down, but Auburn, they're battle-tested, right? They've played, was it, three uh, three highly ranked opponents this season. And if you look back to the last two times when Auburn has beaten Alabama, uh, you know, Nick Marshall in 2013, Jarrett Stidham in 2017, uh, those guys put up numbers in that Iron Bowl, completing 73% of their passes uh, without throwing an interception. And on top of that, most importantly, they were able to do a little bit on the ground as well, uh, rushing for 75 yards average and a touchdown on the ground. So I believe Bo Nix on the offensive side of the ball for Auburn, like he's going to need to be a factor in this game. He can't be a game manager. He can't just sit back and rely on their ground game to do the whole work or or rely on his wide receivers to just make plays the entire time. He is going to have to make plays if they want to stay in this football game because you know Alabama is coming to make a statement so that they can possibly get in over a Pac-12 champion. A lot on the line for both yeah. teams in this game, particularly Alabama with their playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. So with that line at 3.5 for the Tide and the total at about 50, or 49.5, where would the lean be here? Well, I mean, couple, uh, a couple good points for Auburn backers here. The Tigers are 7-2 and two against the spread as a home underdog under Gus Malzahn. Uh, they're 2-1 against the spread as an underdog this season, so that's very good. Alabama head coach Nick Saban, he's 8-4 and four against the Tigers since he took over. Uh, two of those losses were at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, so, you know, God, this is tough, man. I don't even, I think, I think I got to lean Alabama. Yeah. I, I got to lean Alabama because I just haven't seen enough from Bo Nix this season. Regardless of who's quarterback for Alabama, this team, when it matters the most, you know Nick Saban is going to have these troops ready. You know that even with Mac Jones at quarterback, they're going to have a game plan ready for him to make him feel comfortable. Um, And at the end of the day, the Alabama Crimson Tide are going to cover that four. I'm with you there. A lot will be having to put on Jordan uh, Booby Whitlow in the run game, but I think that's what Alabama wants. You know, Mm -hmm. they... They can afford to do that, and you're right. I just haven't seen enough playmaking ability from Bo Nix in his first year Mm -hmm. to say that he can spring a home upset of Alabama. Another big game, quite literally. Big game. (laughs) The big game. The big game. (laughs) Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, Number one Ohio State now in the playoff rankings. Mm -hmm. 
Jim Harbaugh has never beaten these dudes since he's been in Ann Arbor. Yeah. But I tell you what, man, the Wolverines, after kind of a lackluster first, you know, six weeks of the season, starting to play some pretty good football. They are. And here they are. Is this an opportunity for them to spring what would be the telling win of the Jim Harbaugh coaching era in Michigan? They are eight and a half point home dogs or nine in some places. Two top ranked Ohio State with a total at 49. This will be on ABC 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. And we'll also have the game on the radio Saturday on 750. Yes, the we game. Will. Ohio State, Michigan. We know the playmaking ability of Ohio State. But I tell you what, that quarterback in Mason Blue, Shea Patterson, he's got holes. He's played really well the last month or so. I know, it's amazing. And Michigan, you couldn't say that earlier in the season, but now Michigan's looking like a football team. It's funny, they just they just get it going too late, Judah. They just they always do. And it's disappointing. And I'm I'm glad I'm not a Michigan fan. <laughs> really. <laughs> for things we're thankful for this yeah. week, uh, be thankful for the teams that you're not a fan of. Michigan would be one. Oh my god, yeah. But this you're right, this is uh this is a huge monumental game for Jim Harbaugh. This could save everything for him. I don't know like I don't know if they lose this game if Jim Harbaugh's uh, you know, his job is in question. I think if they get absolutely annihilated in this game again, then yeah. Um, and maybe Jim Harbaugh goes to the Browns and my hot take starts to come true where I think the Browns <laughs> draft uh, Trevor Lawrence in a couple of years here. <laughs> I hope they don't. Um, but Ohio State, they're the number one pass defense in college football, allowing 126 yards per game. And they got that guy, Chase Young, on the defensive line. This guy is going to sack the quarterback, like, every single time if you don't hold him. I mean, holding happens on pretty much every play, Judah. But the thing is, with a guy like this, he knows how to just get around you. And he knows how to just make things so difficult for you. Leads the nation with 16.5 tackles this year. Um, But you know Harbaugh knows this, and you know he's going to have a game plan for Shea Patterson to get the ball out quickly to his playmakers, to make things a little bit easier for him. That uh, Josh Gaddis offense, uh, he's been playing well in that offense so far. And in the last two games, Judah, like you mentioned, he's been playing well, 750 passing yards, nine touchdowns, and just one interception. So if Patterson can keep that going here in this game, they're going to have a chance in this one. Uh, Michigan ranks second in the Big Ten in pass defense themselves. Uh, And this is going to be the most aggressive defense that Ohio State has faced all year. But, I mean, Justin Justin Fields, man, this guy, I mean, when you look at him, the guy can do it all. The guy has an arm. The guy can run. He kind of reminds me of a Kyler Murray. And I think... In this matchup, you look at last year, Dwayne Haskins, he was cutting up that Michigan defense, doing a lot of crossing routes, doing a lot of crazy stuff with the wide receivers to get them open in space. And Fields now adds that other dimension where not only can they do that to the Michigan defense, but he can take off and run for first downs as well. So Michigan is is in for it this weekend because I do believe Ohio State is the best, most well-rounded team offensively, defensively, uh, even coaching-wise right now, without Urban Meyer, they still have uh, the bulk of that coaching staff there. And I think that Ohio State wants to make a statement in this game, and they want to end Jim Harbaugh's like era in Michigan. So, um, End Jim I, I, Harbaugh. I end mean, put Jim it on, Harbaugh. Put it on T-shirts. I right? can see it now. End it. Uh, so, I don't know. With, it all said, with that all said, uh, Judah... 
I think I'm leaning Ohio State in this game, even though Shea Patterson has played well in the last couple of games. I don't know. Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. We're talking about a series of home underdogs. How do they spring the upset? And we all talk that the, those teams' quarterbacks are the X factor. Mm-hmm. Whether it is, um, well, I guess for Oregon State, it's a road underdog. But Jake Luton is the most important player in that game. You know, if he balls out, Oregon State's got a real good shot to cover. You know, Anthony Gordon is the big, most important player in the Wazoo. If he balls out, they can they can cover, maybe win outright. Bo mm-hmm. Nix is the most important player in that game. Mm-hmm. If he plays well, they can upset Alabama outright. And we're saying the same thing here. If Shea Patterson balls out, yeah, exactly. they have a chance to win this game outright. Yeah. Um, I, I do think Michigan State or Michigan has a chance to win outright. And I know, you know, we talk about that sometimes. If you're going to play a dog to cover, you have to believe just a little bit that they have a chance to win the game. That oh, there's no a doubt. version of the game that they can win outright. Mm-hmm. I do think there's a version of this game that Michigan wins outright. I do. Yeah. That being said, in this series, you have to fade Michigan. Like Man, good on you if you are confident putting your money behind the Wolverines, mm-hmm. but they're not giving you any reasons to do it in in terms of this matchup historically and mm-hmm. trends. I've got I went to school out in the Midwest. I come some of my best friends are Michigan fans. We've watched a lot of big games together, and I've seen firsthand what the uh, frustration and the desperation and the disappointment looks like for Michigan fans against Ohio State. And uh, I want no part of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, another big factor in this game, Judah, you know, Jim Harbaugh, he's 0-4 against the Buckeyes. And in those four games, Ohio State has really just dominated the game on the ground, averaging 47 attempts, 262 yards rushing, Where and that's 5.6 per carry. That's great. On the other side, Michigan, they're only averaging 36 attempts, 102 yards uh, per game, that's 2.8 per carry. And a lot of that has to do with Michigan just playing from behind. you got to pass the ball once you're down. You can't just keep running the ball. But, you know, like you said, it's going to rely— the game is going to be on Shea Patterson's shoulders, but Michigan will have to establish some sort of running game early in this one for him to be able to get comfortable and to be able to be successful in this game against Ohio State. Yeah, you slow down pass rushers by running the ball at them, too. Yes. You know, so that right. is the recipe— I don't know if they can do it. I would lean Ohio State. Yeah, lean Ohio State. All right. A um, couple of other big games that we just got to mention, too, and I don't know if we've got official leans on here, but what do you think about Wisconsin laying three on the road at Minnesota in this game? The, the Big Ten West is on the line. Game day, college game day, going to Minneapolis for the first time ever. Rivalry game, Paul Bunyan axes on the line, but we're talking Big Ten West, trip to Indianapolis, possible playoff implications, they're all at stake based on the result of this game. Minnesota, the higher-ranked team at number eight with Wisconsin at 12, but even in Minnesota's own building, they're catching three at home. Yeah, this is unbelievable. This line, it's confusing for some, but sometimes the line just tells a story. It tells you something, right? right? It tells you a narrative, and in this one, it tells me that Vegas is looking at the matchups, and they're thinking Jonathan Taylor can really have a game here. And the other part of it, too— is with this Minnesota team, uh, they they really they really lean on possessions, like making sure that they control the ball and they 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 bleed that clock, that play clock, all the way down to one second before they take a snap. They let it go to the next quarter. They don't just rush a play in before the end of the quarter. And that's just something that 
this coaching staff believes in. They believe in possessing the football and to limit possessions from the other team. And I think Wisconsin, similarly, they, they like to do the same. They're going to want to lean on Jonathan Taylor. They're going to want to dominate on the ground. They're going to want to do it defensively. And that's why this is a game at a total of 46. I would have to, I think my strongest play, because the the line is very like, geez, I don't even know. I mean, row the boat. I want to believe in Minnesota at home. But again, the line is telling a narrative that, you know, says that Wisconsin probably is the right side. I think my best lean in this game would probably just be the under, right? I mean, I, I just think this is going to be a heavily, uh, heavy game on the ground for both sides. You know, of course, Bateman, I guess the guy's name, Bateman, yeah, yeah uh, that Minnesota wide receiver, their other one, I mean, they have two, like, first, second round caliber wide receivers. The question is, um, you know, can Wisconsin lock those guys down and, and limit Minnesota and kind of keep them one-dimensional? I don't know, um, but I do know that this is going to be a slow game, and, and I think that because Minnesota likes to control the ball and they like to limit possessions, from their opponents, I think under 46 would be the play I'd go with. Play the under. Before we go to NFL picks, too, unpacking some of the if-then scenarios, let's say, you know, Oregon wins Mm -hmm. and covers against Oregon State. Um, You know, Utah is playing Colorado in the primetime ABC window this weekend. They're 28-and-a-half point favorites. If Utah wins and covers, Oregon wins and covers. Pac-12 title game next week, Friday night, Santa Clara, Stadium you were in not too long ago, 5 o'clock on ABC. What do you think the accurate look-ahead line for Oregon-Utah would be mm. if it was the 10-2 and Oregon Ducks against the 11-1 and South champion Utah Utes on a neutral site? You know, I think, yeah, this, this line, it's going to, like you said, it's going to depend on how these teams do this weekend. You know, if both teams cover and play very well and play the kind of football we're used to seeing from them. I think this line looks similar to that Wisconsin-Minnesota game where the higher-ranked team, Utah, might be a short underdog. They might be a short underdog. That's what I'm thinking. But if Utah goes out and dominates, covers, wins by 30, and Oregon is in a very tight game in the Civil War— I could see it kind of being the opposite right there, but I don't. I don't see the spread being more than three or four, you know, on either side. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I would. I would have to lean because I think Oregon is. They're getting healthier right now, and you know they're going to be without Pittman, right? They're going to be without Pittman until probably the bowl game, wherever they play, Rose Bowl, whatever it is. Um, but Red, you know, as long as he doesn't get injured again, and as long as Juwan Johnson stays healthy, the whole line stays healthy, and you know Herbert makes up for last week's uh, two interceptions. <laughs> uh, I think Oregon will come into this game as a, a very short favorite. Wow, that's interesting. I, I would personally say that Utah would be favored by three. Okay, yeah. I think it would be Utah three. Right. And see, and that's what we're both yeah. saying, though, that, you know, it's not going to be more than three either way. Yeah. But I think the, based on how these games play out this weekend, we could see it be either or. And I, the reason I say that is because I think um, – the public has already seen Oregon mm-hmm. on the national TV stage oh, yeah. of ABC twice this year, and they mm-hmm. lost mm-hmm. Auburn and Arizona State, right? I mean, those are well-publicized, uh, well-watched Isn't that so games unfortunate? in which Ducks did poorly. But it matters <laughs> yeah. when, when you talk about like setting lines and like how does Vegas set it up to where they almost need Oregon because 
Oregon on a national stage now is almost fade-worthy, mm-hmm. at least to Joe Public. Mm-hmm. And so how high can they make the line for Utah to where they need Oregon money? Mm-hmm. I might, I would say they, they might say Utah minus four, especially if Utah blows out Colorado and covers the 28.5 this weekend and wins like 40 to 10, mm-hmm. which is very possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you might be looking at Oregon plus three, Oregon plus three and a half, and from the sounds of it, you would open up the wallet early when you see that line and, and bring it in on the Ducks. Yeah, yeah. It, well, and it's like if maybe if, if Vegas really thinks that Oregon is going to win that game, you know, maybe because of the perception that people saw Oregon lose those two nationally televised games, maybe maybe they do set the line at Oregon favored by right. a little bit, right? Just to get people to be like, oh, man. Just I got, to get that fade yeah, money early. I got to take Utah. Yeah, exactly. I got to take Utah with the points. I just saw Oregon lose to Arizona State. Oh, they're not playing that well, and Utah's blowing people out, and they're they're a higher-ranked team. I mean, some people are just that public, right? Yeah. They'll just look at it. They'll just look at the ranks, and they'll go, Some people. Well, most well, people. <laughs> most people, yeah, 90% plus. I mean, people will look at it and be like, well, this team is ranked higher than this team, and they're getting points. Oh, duh, I'm going to go that way. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting. That'll be really interesting to watch. Um, just another small point, too. If Georgia ends up beating Georgia Tech, which they will, and beating LSU in the SEC title game, that Oregon was never going to go to the playoff anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. part of me kind of wants that to happen. <laughs> yeah. To almost like be like, hey, in the end, even if they would have won out as a Pac-12, you know, outright champ, they probably would have been on the outside looking in. Yeah. It would have been uh, Ohio State, Clemson, you know, Georgia, LSU. I'm with you on that because it would also kind of help me out because I was predicting Georgia as you yeah. know the the best, most valuable future bet. You know, last month at fourteen to one odds, yep. right? Because I knew that they would control their own destiny, and if they can make it in there, I guess it just makes me look a little smarter. But you're right; it does also make it so that Oregon wouldn't have gotten in either way. So it kind of it's like a it's like a sigh of relief, like oh, okay, well, you know, even if we had won, we could have gone through all that and still not made it in. Whatever, you know, we'll go to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> all right, let's get into the pros. As they say, Judah, the NFL season begins after Thanksgiving. That's right. Any uh, turkey bowl action in store for you? Thursday, yeah. a little football, slinging yeah. around the backyard with anybody? Well, uh, there might be some. There might be some. We got we got a football in the neighborhood. We might throw it around. <laughs> you got to, man. Bring out the old Big Z. You know, I was a slot <laughs> receiver in high school. I believe it. Kick and punt return. Oh, you like Cole Ble- Beasley or something? <laughs> something like that, right? Possession guy? Yeah, yeah, possession guy. I would I was just a sure handed, you throw it to me, I'll catch it, I'll get hit very hard because I was like, you know, I'm like five seven, five eight, you know, five eight on a good day. And in <laughs> high school I was like, you know, hundred and thirty two pounds dripping wet. Yep. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> that's all that's what I was, but uh I, I couldn't survive I got out of tackle football after seventh grade. Played one year, seventh grade. I love football so much, but uh, oh, yeah. have to be a pickup guy now because yeah. uh, you know, Striving on the pads and all that good stuff. Uh, I'd be eating alive. Here, let's do something fun here. Let's just do, let's just rip through rapid fire the Thanksgiving games and give me a lean yeah, on the perfect. Thanksgiving lines. And then we'll do some best bet action. If uh, if a Thanksgiving game's in there, great. Uh, it doesn't have to be. could be just Sunday and Monday night because there's some good ones on the line. But uh, Chicago, Detroit, not great, but at least you'll be on in the background while you're cooking up the turkey. Yeah. Right, right. now it's a Chicago laying four in Detroit. I guess that's a Jeff Driscoll line. 
Yes. He must be playing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the total is at a blistering 37. Oh, man. That's ugly. That's terrible. What in the world happened here? All right. Chicago minus four, total 37 and a half. What do you think? We, we got Mitchell Trubisky, who is uh, the preseason favorite to win MVP, the most heavily bet MVP uh, guy so in, in the NFL. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that's sad, absolutely sad, crazy. Sad. And now the Bears are thinking, man, you know, maybe we should just draft a quarterback. Maybe we wait for Trevor Lawrence. I think everyone's honestly sitting in the background going, I'm just going to wait for Trevor Lawrence. You know? Could be. But uh, let's see. Detroit getting four at home. This is a classic, classic Thanksgiving Day matchup. Low total here. Very boring. Uh, Driscoll. Driscoll wasn't that bad, honestly. You know, last uh, he's played like one game, two games now. I forgot. Yeah. Um, he hasn't been that bad. I, uh, oh man, weather in Detroit. I haven't looked that up or anything. Why, why would it uh, matter? <laughs> Total still. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Just uh, oh, throw that's that right. out there. Yeah. Well, you know, it matters because the fans, you know, I mean, yeah. they're a little cold out there. They're right. going to bring in some coats. It's going to warm up the atmosphere inside the building. That's exactly right. And then, okay, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's see. In fact, all these games are closed. Closed doors. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to lean Detroit in this one because they're at home, and four is a lot of points in the National Football League. Buffalo, Dallas, Jerry Jones is uh, raising the stakes with Jason Garrett Mm. uh, after the loss to New England, in which they ironically covered and didn't win. But uh, Jerry Jones pretty critical of the coaching staff, and that sets up Dallas minus six and a half or minus seven even money with a total at 47 against the Buffalo Bills. Fun to see the Bills indoors on Thanksgiving. I think it's kind of cool just for the Buffalo brand. Um, Does Dallas able to put up a big number and cover this thing? I re- I'm going to be cheering my uh, my butt off for the Buffalo Bills. That's right. Um, yeah, I uh, I am going to be cheering for the Buffalo Bills in this one. But I have this funny feeling. It's it's Thanksgiving Day. It's the Dallas Cowboys. They always play on Thanksgiving. And, uh, I mean, the coaching, uh, <laughs> Jason Garrett took a lot of heat this week. <laughs> uh, a lot of heat in the media and uh, from his owner. And from Jerry Jones, the man. And so I think that because of that heat that he took and Dak also took some heat. And I think Dak, uh, I think they they played decent, man, against the Patriots, right? They played, yeah, I mean, weather was terrible, yeah. but the defense hung in there. And uh, you could say that they got kind of screwed at the end with the bogus tripping call mm-hmm. on their final drive. Right. You know, I think as long as Dallas gets back to their winning ways, which is just run the freaking ball with Zeke Elliott. Like, stop playing around. Run the ball. And don't throw to Amari Cooper because this guy can't can't do anything lately. I mean, this guy is the most up-and-down wide receiver I've ever seen in my life. The guy will go for like 35 fantasy points one week and then not catch a pass the next week. So, yeah, you said last week. Uh, he's not a guy you can rely on. I would just I think that the Cowboys cover the 6.5. I, I looked at this line, and it surprised me because I thought it was going to be a shorter line because I think that the Bills do have a chance to win this game, and I really hope they do. But because it's so big, I think that's telling a story in itself, and I think Dallas— comes out and has a very big game on Thanksgiving, and I think they finally get smart, and they actually run the ball with Zeke Elliott, and they continue to run the ball with Zeke, and Zeke eats, and the Cowboys cover. Uh, I'd love to see Buffalo cover. Me too. But uh, I can't uh, can't deny that, too. And New Orleans, Atlanta, this is a game that Atlanta had, uh, what, they were like a 13-point dog, and they won outright convincingly in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago, yeah. like 24-9. to nine. Yeah. Now here you go, returning the favor in Atlanta, and it's the Saints laying seven again, even money on the road in the ATL with a total at 49. 
Uh, yeah, this is a divisional matchup here. Like you said, 13-point favorites. Atlanta won outright last time. Now they're at home. I The total, 48.5, pretty high total. And I'd probably just lean on it over here, even though there's the chance that these guys are a little bit, you know, a little bit held down from their, their turkey and their stuffing. Yep, yep. <laughs> from earlier in <laughs> the day. From the pregame meal. Yeah, no exactly. Question. I mean, if they're smart, they're probably not eating turkey because, you know, I hear that makes you tired. But let's see. I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean the Falcons here at home. You know, they did it once. I think they can do it again. All right. Let's go rapid fire with our three best bets. Mm -hmm. If anyone has anything, Zach, your three best bets. Just go ahead and lay them all out there for uh, this coming week. (sighs) I I hate to do this, Judah, but in the 49ers Ravens game here, I, I think I'm leaning the Ravens, Judah. And it's because the 49ers have struggled against mobile quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, we saw it two games back to, I mean, he, he, he tore him up, and so did Russell Wilson when, when he needed to. And I think that in this game, we saw Lamar. I mean, geez, I saw this crazy stat, Judah. Lamar Jackson, the, the Ravens' offense have, like, the last two games, they've only punted, or last three games, they only punted twice. I think it was the last three games. They punted twice, and both those times they punted, it was because RG3 <laughs> was the one running the offense. Hmm. So I don't think Lamar Jackson's led offense has punted in the last two or three games. Wow. And I know the 49ers defense is great. They're coming off in a huge win against the Packers. Both these teams are, and this is definitely the game of the weekend, and it should not be on a 10 a.m. slot. Let me tell you that. But I'm going to go Ravens first half, minus three and a half, because I'm going to give my boys a chance to come back, but the <laughs> Ravens come out hot at home. All right, my first one, I will go and... Uh... I'll go to the Monday night game, and um, it's tough for me to do this, but I'm going to go Minnesota plus the three at the Seattle Seahawks. Still think Seattle wins the game by a late field goal, or Minnesota misses a field goal at the end because that's what happens to Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, prime time, you know, it's tough. I, I want to believe in the, in the Seahawks. But, look, man, the, the win last week on the road at Philly, uh, honestly, told me more about Philly than it did Seattle. That was tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Eagles fans are just uh, – Man, they need AB. They they need AB in a in a major way. But um, I'll go ahead and take the Vikings. I think Kirk Cousins has done really well. I know in prime time he struggled, but he did play well on the road at Dallas in a prime time game a few weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I don't think uh, I, I'm I'm definitely reverse jinxing right here. But I'll take Minnesota plus the three in Seattle. Beautiful. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Judah? What am I doing? Oh man. Okay, so my second pick here. Yeah, this board is just this is interesting. Uh you got the Eagles laying ten on the road at Miami. Jeez. Uh let's see here. Cleveland Browns at the Steelers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Here it is. And I hate to do this, but I do think it's the right play. Duck Hodges. He came in and gave the Steelers the a goat. spark. Yeah. Right. Last game. He gave them a spark. But as much as I hate to say this, I think the Browns come in here and win. I think that the Browns are smelling a chance at getting to the playoffs. The doubters have been doubting, and the Browns have been playing better. They've been playing better. And I think with this small line here, I'm going to go ahead and take the Cleveland Browns on the road at Pittsburgh to get it done. I'll go to the Sunday nighter and just uh, New England on the road in a Sunday night game. We saw them. You know, failed to cover the spread two weeks ago in this situation with Baltimore. I'll be the idiot this week that plays Houston. Ooh. But can you give me the hook at three and a half? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a minus 120. You know, right. a little more juice there, but yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll take Houston plus three and a half. Uh, they've never beaten New England in the, uh, well, at least New Hopkins has never beaten New England. Mm. So I will go ahead and say that this is the time when Houston loses by a field goal. So Houston plus three and a half against the Pats in uh, Judah's idiot pick of the week. That's going to win. That's probably exactly what happens because when you see the Patriots minus three and a half even money, I mean, there's something up there. <laughs> now let's let's go to final pick, final pick. I think I'm going to go to the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, the Rams, geez, man, the, Super Bowl slump, Super Bowl hangover. I mean, that's what's happening here. And it happens almost every single time. Team goes to the Super Bowl, they lose. The next year, they don't make the playoffs. And I think the Rams are... They're not going to make the playoffs, Judah. Yep. And I think the Cardinals are a team that has been so close in some of these matchups. And yeah, they're whether three set three seven and one, something like that. But they're a better team than their record says they are. And at home, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. I think I'm going to take the Cardinals plus the field goal here against the struggling Rams, who can't get anything done on the ground. And Jared Goff, we know, does not perform well on the road. Arizona and the points. I will go ahead and take uh, Jacksonville. That's been struggling mm. with the Nick Foles, but I think they get it done this week. They are minus one or a pick. Either number. I'll take Jacksonville to win and cover at home against uh, Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay, only because Jameis balled out last week and won as an underdog, so that means you got to fade him this week. Jacksonville, exactly. the minus one covering against Tampa Bay. So to summarize our three best bets, Zach is going Baltimore minus three and a half first half. First half. Against San Francisco. He is also going Cleveland minus two at Pittsburgh. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, minus two, minus two and a half at Pittsburgh. And Arizona plus the three at home to the L.A. Rams. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, Judah is going to reverse jinx his favorite team and go Minnesota (laughs) plus three Monday night in Seattle. Houston plus three and a half at home to New England. And follow it up with... um, what was my last pick? Oh, yeah, Jacksonville minus one at home to Tampa Bay. Those are our three best bets. Zach, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. It's happy always a pleasure. Bet the game will be back next week in full ahead of another big week of conference championships in college football and another major week of the NFL. Yep. Enjoy, enjoy your turkey. Enjoy your food. Everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. Be safe. We'll see you guys next week.